Hello, friends. Welcome to Revival Town Podcast. I am Chuck Tate. That's Andy King. Hello, friends. Uh, <laughs> Got to mix it up a little. <laughs> no, I was like, I'm using you yelling and shouting. He's like, hello, friends. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what can I say? I have a face for radio. <laughs> Boy, are you doing well? I'm, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing good, and I'm excited that our guest today is, is an author. I just met with my new publisher last That's, week. Yes, tell us about that. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so she lives in California and was in the Chicago area for a, a writers' conference. So I had the opportunity to to drive up to meet with her for a couple hours to kind of dream about about the book. And yeah. Really excited about. It. Of course, a few months ago we had Esther on the podcast, and she's my literary literary agent, and she's the one who negotiated this this contract with Chosen Books. I can say that I'm really yeah, okay. excited about in Chosen it's not is the division. Chosen. Uh, the, yeah, with the Chosen. Uh, yeah. Wow! <laughs> no. Wow! Uh, yeah. I'm I'm going to be on the show. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm going to be paying this this homeless guy that Jesus kills. <laughs> He's going to write season <laughs> five. <laughs> no, I'm going to play the the, the demon possessed man who was in the in the cemetery. <laughs> no, so no Chosen Books, which is a division of Baker Books, and um, we've had on, of course, my friend Chad Allen, who used to be the acquisitions editor, among other things, for Baker for years. Um, so this is really, personally, it's really exciting for me, and I love the hands-on approach and and getting to work with with this um, this woman named Kim. And so um, another another cool thing about going to to meet her, she was actually in Oak Lawn, Illinois, yeah, which is a suburb of Chicago, yeah, which is where my mom was born. Really? So I after I was done meeting with the publisher, I went and found my mom's old house and church and. Did some videos and pictures in front of it, sent them to her, and oh, that's brought cool. back a lot of memories. So it was cool, but um, but yes, I'm really excited. So the book, my manuscript, will be due in January of 2024. Okay, and the book will be released in January of 25. So you'll be hearing all uh, so much more about it. There'll be a lot of stuff, and I'll have a launch team give people an opportunity, listeners, an opportunity mean, to be on the launch team. Does that mean we've got to talk about it? We're gonna talk about it. <sighs> So, so it, in, in fact, yeah. So we'll just we'll, kidding. We'll, we'll, yeah, yeah. No, I know. So, um, but yeah, really, truthfully, it's uh, answer to prayer, and I, I just feel really good about um, this new relationship with Chosen Books. Grateful for Tyndale and for Forty One Will Come, and now we we'll get to bring another book into the world. And our author, our guest today is an author of a great book, really good. And uh, for those in the Peoria area. Uh, he's a local guy yeah. who is making significant um, uh, impact. Yeah. His company has given away $30 million. Just yeah. got to say that. Yeah. That is phenomenal. Yeah. It, that's hard to comprehend. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're so thankful for, for John, his leadership, uh, his life. And you're yeah. going to hear, I mean, there are going to be things that are said today that you, would not, you were not expecting. And I'll be honest, when I read the book... Uh, I didn't know things about John's life until I read the book. Uh, and uh, he brings that out today. And some are a little bit like you just weren't ready for it, right? Right. Um, but I really do believe that he's going to bless so many. And also... He has a lot of wisdom. Wisdom. If you have a business or in leadership, uh, anything like that, he has got some great, great things to say as well. Uh, so please sit back and relax and enjoy this conversation with John. 
This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. All right, everyone, it's time for another conversation on Revival Town Podcast. Our guest today, John Whelan, purchased a small, virtually bankrupt company in 1994, and today it is one of the largest material handling companies in the world with 1,000 employees. In 2001, John started his first foundation where they give 10% of the company profit to come alongside their employees' passion to make their communities stronger. Since then, his company has donated over $30 million to charities and non-for-profit organizations. John is the author of a popular book called Uncommon Threads, Weaving a Life Through Family, Business, and Faith. John, welcome to Revival Town. Hey, thank you, Chuck. I really appreciate the opportunity, and thank you, Andy. We're so glad to have you on now. Our podcast Uh, as many folks know that are listening, is to really highlight people or movements that are making a difference in the world. And obviously just by that bio, uh, from what you've done with business and uh, the $30 million you've given, you are making a difference, not just here, but all over. And that has not happened overnight. And (laughs) so you have written an incredible book called Uncommon Threads. Uh, that really goes through three main areas, uh, which is uh, family, business, and faith, and how they intertwine. And so today we thought, well, let's let's get John in. Yes, and, and I've heard a lot about you, John, and not just through Andy, but through Veronica Richards, who is getting ready yes, to start a Monty Rescue Center in in Kenya. There, she's been on the podcast, and her and Terry are instrumental. A part of our congregation that's um, so we're excited to to launch them but um, I'm just excited to, to have you here just because I know Andy speaks highly of you and when I was going through your book just your chapter titles alone are worth having you on <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah. thank you yeah I did work on those <laughs> so John why don't you just um, unpack for us a little bit because a lot of people who are not from Peoria who may not know you but yet they've heard Chuck just give a bit of the bio and they may be checking out the book right now as we're talking. Who is John Wheland? Yeah, first and foremost, uh, John is a, a sinner saved by grace. Yeah. And, and uh, I hope I never forget that. Um, you know, I've had, uh, I've had good days honoring God. And, uh, you know, I just want the listening audience to know that... Uh, we all have shadows and we all have struggles and uh, but despite my struggles I am willing to put myself out there to be used by God so I grew up in a uh, home with uh, three siblings my father was a family practitioner my mom was a nurse turned into a stay-home mom in a town called Jerseyville and uh, didn't really pay a lot to attention to school uh, in high school, and uh, I was more interested in basketball and 
and partying and, yeah. and females. And uh, so I ended up getting uh, accepted to uh, Western Illinois University and I uh, standards were pretty low there. And then, <laughs> uh, I went there, but my mom and dad, they actually paid for my uh, education. And uh, I was afraid I was going to flunk out uh, because I heard college was hard. So I actually went to my classes. I actually took notes and I actually studied. <laughs> and I found out that uh, I had decent rote memorization and I could remember things for like 24 hours and I ended up getting, you know, really good grades uh, <laughs> because I didn't want to fail because I loved my parents and yeah. uh, even though he was a doctor, it uh, took sacrifice to uh, send him to uh, send us to college. And so we, uh, I majored in accounting. I knew my life was going to be at accounting because that's the only thing I had an aptitude for is numbers. Right. And so I became a, an accountant. Okay. And that was, that was the, the, the traje trajectory that you were looking at coming out of college. And so going I, into college, did you ever think you would publish a book? Oh no. <laughs> oh no, not at all. I just knew that, uh, uh, I feel sorry for people that are smart in a lot of different genres because it can get confusing on what they want to do yeah for me it was pretty easy it was yeah. going to have to be with numbers <laughs> yeah. and uh i became a cpa and then a chief operate a chief financial officer and then in 1994 i bought this company called mh equipment and wow. and that is you know we want to really focus on that because um you know the the book is unique john i i love it because you like you, we were talking uh, off air earlier that you wrote it so that you could focus on certain sections. And if there were certain sections like, I don't know if this is really, you could go to the next one and not feel like you've missed something. And the three major areas, we talked about it already, family, faith, and business. And business, uh, you obviously have seen some success in what you are doing, right? Um, and I loved the whole section that you did on business, especially when it comes to culture, when it comes to bringing Jesus to the office. Um, and so we want to try and try and get to that bit. But before that, getting to that, before you've taken role, you obviously had to go through college. You had some ups and downs there. Can you just go into some of that for us? Because I, I think it, it sets uh, the picture of, of what God has done in your life then with everything else. So uh, in high school, like I said, uh, I focused uh, a lot on, uh, I was probably a, a narcissist. Uh, I was not a mean person, but I was a pretty much of a narcissist. And uh, actually uh, my senior year, um, I got a girl uh, pregnant mm. and um, we, decided to get an abortion. Mm. And uh, fast forward 12 years later, when I'm married, I'm being told by a doctor, it's gonna be hard for you to have biological children. Mm. And so there's a fair amount of self-loathing uh, at that point that I probably killed the only biological child I would ever have. Yeah. Um, God was gracious and Julie and I, we adopted for newborn babies and 
uh, and the story the of that is incredible. Yeah. Like I'm, when I was reading that, how I feel God placed this doctor uh, right there for when someone has given birth and. You know that can you just go into that a little bit because that was yeah. a, a real god so so three of our four children uh were delivered by one specific doctor and this doctor was a peer or a friend of my father's and uh he liked my father and what better way to say i like you than to give him grandchildren and so Julie and I, we were not on his list. We were his list. Right. And so periodically, the physician is the one because the young lady says, look, I don't know what to do. Could you take care of that for me? And uh, that's how three of our four uh, came into the Whelan household. Wow. Yeah. Wow. wow, that's amazing. And, you know, the, the thing for, for me, I read in the book years later, you connected with the spouses, you connected with the lady from back in high school uh, that had the abortion. What was that interaction like? So uh, in the book, uh, anytime somebody was involved in the book, I would send them the content so they could touch it. I did not want to ever be in a place where somebody was in the book and say, huh, was that one-sided? So I wanted to have clean hands with anybody that was in the book. So I sent this lady the uh, transcript about the abortion, and it just said, uh, all I remember is I paid for the abortion. Uh, She wrote back and said, um, yeah, uh, this this is, uh, I appreciate this. And I'm actually going to read the insert uh, of the book. I told I so it says I told her my memory was that I paid for the abortion. Uh, she had different memories, uh, and she said this: "I remember you telling me you had plans for college and that we were too young. I remember being at the abortion clinic, sitting on a bing bag chair in the waiting room, waiting for them to call my name. I remember the pain of the procedure." I remember sitting in a recliner after the procedure, feeling numb, feeling cold, feeling empty, looking around, wondering what I had done, and wondering if I'd go to hell for taking this soul's life. I remember seeing you for the first time afterwards, feeling sad. I remember you going off to college that fall. Not a month goes by that I don't wonder what my child would have looked like, what my child would have become. I count my child as one of my own, my oldest. I had a ceremony for my child's death. I pray for my child's soul. Now, those are significantly different memories. And the thing that I want to just share with the listening audience, if you're a young boy, you need to understand it's just not paying for the abortion. And if you're a young lady, you just need to understand it's just not a procedure. And uh, uh, it was, uh, so when she sent that to me, 
I just sat for about half a minute just staring at the paper. And I thought I was such a jerk. And then I said, that has to go in the book. Yeah. And so yeah. I put it in the book. It doesn't make me look very well, but it's humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. I think your transparency will minister to a lot of people. You know, the fact that you're willing to be vulnerable and and to share not just your words, but her words speaks volumes. It really does. I think that that will go a long way. Yeah. Well, the point of the book, you know, I want people to read the book. And this is what I don't want to have happen. Uh, this guy is a good guy. You know, I want them to read the book and see I'm pretty transparent. I'm relatively self-effacing. And I want them to say, you know, that was a good read. But boy, I liked what he said about this guy named Jesus. Yeah. yeah. It's not a Christian book. It's a secular book. Uh, but the beauty of Christ and the cross is, uh, is clearly displayed. I, uh, the illustrator, Jim Burkle, who is a missionary to Iranian refugees, uh, uh, he said that um, he had a bunch of my books, and there was a guy who didn't want to be in a Bible study, didn't want to go to church, didn't want to talk about faith things, and Jim said, hey, you want to read this book I illustrated for this guy? And so he said, okay, I guess I will. Now, this guy, his father is high up in the mafia. He's completely agnostic. He called back Jim two weeks later and said, Jim, I read that stinking book, and it's got me thinking. Wow. I'd like to talk to you. And so that's one of the reasons I didn't want to write a Christian book, because if I wrote a Christian book, well, guess who's going to read it? Christians. I, I wanted to write a secular book, so... People who do not have Christ in their lives would read it, not feel like they are being proselytized every chapter. Right. But by the end of the book, they get a glimpse of the beauty of Christ. Yeah. And, you know, reading the book, um, what I noticed was a lot of the things that you wrote, um, you live um, you know, you, you wrote a chapter about, obviously you welcomed, right? You welcomed four lives into your home. These, these babies that grew up uh, to become incredible human beings, right? Because of leadership from you and your wife as far as parenting. But you, you didn't stop there. There's a, a story I read about this guy called Andy, that really intrigued me. Um, at the time, it probably didn't for you. <laughs> Is he British? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, thanks for letting me sleep on your couch. No, no. But can you just, uh, just yes. unpack that a little bit? So uh, it was before we actually had kids. And uh, we've always, Julie and I, we've always felt like we want to hold our possessions loosely. If, if God wants to take away our possessions... Uh, he's sovereign and he can do that. I just never wanted it to be because we were selfish. Right. And so Julie was working for emergency response uh, service. And he, uh, she met a, a, a guy who was just struggling in life. And we invited him to live with us. And he lived with us for about uh, six weeks. He started to steal from us. And then... Um, I finally said, Andy, you've, you've broken trust with us. Uh, 
you have to leave. And he had, you know, we gave him our car to drive and everything. About a week later, uh, we open up the newspaper and there's a sketch of somebody that mm. they're looking for. And Julie said, my gosh, that looks like Andy. Andy had abducted somebody from ICC, took them out to the country, shot them in the head twice, and stole their car. Now, by God's grace, for some reason, those bullets just glanced off the skull of the lady. And she actually survived, actually did not spend the night in prison. I mean, in in, in the hospital. But they did catch Andy, and uh, he... uh, got sentenced to 99 years in prison um and julie and i was like well why didn't he just steal our car why didn't he shoot us and uh we don't understand those things sure Uh, but people ask john did you regret ministering to andy and i said not at all i said when we minister to other people how they respond is independent of your obedience. God is pleased when we put our hands out to the hurting. How they respond, that's their deal. Yeah. And if we would have shut down having people in our house, we've had dozens of people live in our house over the years, and we have been so blessed by their stories and their encouragement and... Uh, so that's a, a big lesson that I learned, that you do the right thing because of the right thing, not because of how the recipient responds. Yeah. Wow. So in, in, he could be sitting in prison and recalling some of the things that you instilled within him, and, and, and hopefully faith is a big part of that. Yeah, I, I, I have not, you know, we... Uh, connected a few times over the years, but over the years I've kind of lost track of Andy. Yeah. Well, let's let's uh, shift gears a little bit because I think that's that's set us up because of your heart uh, for people, right? And obviously, you now have uh, a business that um, isn't just in Illinois; it's in many states. Uh, Nine hundred staff members. Correct me what, if I'm wrong well, on some we, of this. Well, uh, this week we just went over 1,000. Okay, so 1,000. Thousand, yeah. thousand st- so we hit that mark. That's amazing. So, And again, you don't do that overnight, and you don't do that by chance, right? And so let's go into a little bit about um, business and you know some of the things that you wrote about in the book, Jesus at the Office, and also, if we can touch on uh, values and culture are the secret source. Right, because I think there are people that you know they're they're hearing you're on, yeah. and want to want to know not that it's like the secret recipe to get there, but what are some of the values, some of the things that you hold dear to when it comes to business? Yeah, Julie and I, we've just always been lucky. Uh, we uh, we've just never been a lover of money, and um, it's just a something to use. I mean. God's currency is people. It's not dollars. And uh, so we wanted, when I bought the company, we just wanted to honor God, uh, how we treated our employees. And uh, actually, I'm doing leadership training now. And I tell uh, our leaders, 
I say this because over the years I've been asked a thousand times, so you have a Christian company and I always respond, we are not a Christian company. We want anybody of any faith or no faith to love our company. But we do attempt to run the business on biblical principles. The key word is attempt. Yeah. We will always say attempt because the day I say we run the business on biblical principle in about 25 minutes, they're going to call me a liar because somebody in the company didn't do something that's right. And then the logical question is, okay, so what do you mean biblical principles? What are those? And it's simple. It's let your yes be yes and your no be no. Pay your laborers their fair wages. Pay your taxes. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Take some of your profits and give to the least of us. And that's why we have that foundation where we give 10%. And then I have a little fun with my group. And I said, the last biblical principle is don't suck at your job. (laughs) And and people always giggle about that. But I said, hey, uh, look it up. It's a biblical principle. And so actually there are uh, uh, thousands and thousands of company who actually uh, try to run their business on biblical principles and they don't even know it. I just give credit to the source of yeah, uh, those yeah. principles. Yeah, I, I think you should have an employee of the month receive a T-shirt that says, I don't suck. <laughs> you got, uh, well, I'll tell you this. Some days uh, I can't wear that. So. <laughs> oh, man. Well, why don't you uh, unpack that a little bit? You know, uh, I read in here, obviously, you talk a lot about uh, mission, vision, and values. And, and I think that... Uh, for business as well as nonprofits uh, is really crucial. Well, yeah. And so uh, about uh, six years ago, we did one strategic planning session that uh, somebody else played, uh, paid for. We've never had more than an annual budget. Things change so quickly. We just want to be in the presence and be reactive to the opportunities as they present themselves. And so we've never had like, this is what we want to do in five years. We just don't do that. Uh, But we wanted to have value statements that we believed in. And uh, every business has five stakeholders, whether or not you have a company with two employees or two million employees. You have the employee, you have the customer, you have the company, you have the supplier, and then you have your community. And during this retreat, which was three days, uh, the lady uh, said that, you know, I have worked with the Army, the Navy, uh, top 100 companies in uh, the world. And she said, I have never seen a company whose written value statements were so closely aligned to reality. Mm. So often, you go to companies and they've got these great value statements. And if you guys remember Enron, that completely imploded and cost people, you know, their life savings, if you looked at their value statements, we are an honest company and we will not 
fudge on honesty. Mm. Wow. <laughs> you know? And That'll so preach right there. You, you, yeah. you, you understand that yeah. what's on the wall in reality are often dif- mm. different. And, yeah. and we, uh, every time our executive team gets together, the very first thing we do is that we audibly read our mission, vision, and values. Mm. And we talk about how the, these values play out in wow. daily business. Yeah. Uh, because if, if the leadership do not know the values, how can they emulate them? And if they're not emulating those and doing, being a good role model, yeah. then how can the other managers? And so we're very, very intentional. Every company, every organization, you have a culture. And if you don't know what that culture is, I'm going to guess you're probably not happy with the culture. You have to be very intentional on developing the culture that you desire because that's going to actually uh, determine the success of your company. So let, let's let's uh, look into that a little bit because um, culture and things like that, I, I love looking at things like this. So you now have... Did you say 30 states, right? Around no, 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 no. We were in, we got 30 some odd branches, branches. in 10 states. Okay, in 10 And mostly states. In, the, in the Midwest. Okay. Yeah. So you've got a lot of people as well. Yes. How do you keep the culture at the forefront when you may not be in one of those states? Uh, we have uh, eight regions with eight regional presidents. So even though we're a larger company, we still have that entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Uh, most of, uh, well, actually all of their leadership team, they are also owners of the company. Okay. Uh, there's a point in the book, don't lose good people because you're greedy. And I really try to make sure that our leaders um, feel like it's their company. And so it is. Yeah. They own part of the company. Uh, but... My job, people call me uh, at times the chief culture agent. Mm. And my COO, my CFO, um, they are lockstep with me in regards to our culture. And so it is just constant preaching and teaching the culture in the way that we want to treat our employees. And uh, uh, so we we don't do, we don't do a great job at getting that culture down to everybody but uh we work hard at it yeah we work hard at it you're Uh, intentional every every two years uh, we have an employee survey uh we ask 37 questions and every year the top three rated questions which means i agree with this statement more than any the first one is I like the foundation. I like that we give back 10%. Mm. The second one, I've never been asked to do something unethical. Mm. The third one, I've never been discriminated against Mm. based on my age, my race, my sexual orientation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if I list out those 37 questions and I got to choose which three do I want to be the top? It's those three. Yeah. yeah. So somehow we are getting that culture yeah. permeated through 
uh, you know, through the organization. Yeah. Well, I, I have a, I have a question. I, um, I mean, we've talked about your family and talking about the business. And before we we switch into the last section of the book, which is faith, I I just have to ask you about this chapter title: "Never Die an Idiot." Can you yeah. explain that? <laughs> well, the the chapter came from from this. Um, I'm a conservative bean counter, and. Uh, which means um, if I had to spend the night someplace, I would spend the night at the cheapest hotel possible. <laughs> and at this time, uh, we probably had 500 employees. I was in Indianapolis, and I stayed at the Dollar Inn off the interstate. Now, for the listening audience, uh, they also uh, uh, rented rooms by the hour. So, you probably can tell what type of hotel it was. <laughs> so, I actually um, was in there, and there was a lot of activity going on, and then there was an epiphany. I think I could die tonight. And then I was thinking what my obituary would say. It would say something like, John Whelan, a marginally successful businessman, was staying at a flea-bitten, drug-ridden hotel to save $14, and he died an idiot. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, well. I, uh, uh, and so, I yeah. just decided that, you know, uh, don't do things that if you die, people are gonna read your obituary and think, "What an idiot!" <laughs> and so it's like taking taking selfies, you know, by a cliff. It's, right, it's right, like right. Uh, doing something road 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 rage, you know. Yeah. And, and there was a story where, you know. Uh, it was icy, and uh, a semi passed the lady. A lady uh, didn't like what happened, so she passed the lady, turned around, uh, flipped the truck driver off, lost control of the car, got in a wreck, and died. You feel sorry for the lady, but it's like, ouch, yeah, you know? And yeah. so uh, right. that's just kind of a, a fun chapter on different ways not to die as an idiot, and I guess share examples. But it actually started with me. And so now I will stay uh, not in a luxury hotel, but <laughs> I will stay in uh, hotels that are uh, remotely safe. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's um, bef before we come to a close, I, I, I want to just touch on the last chapter, which is your faith. And really, uh, obviously, this is a, a, a fairly new book, but you talk about something that happened in 2018 uh, that, for most, it would rock their faith. Um, can you just open that up a little bit? So in uh, 2018, I'm sitting at a doctor's office, and he says, uh, John, you have cancer. Hmm. And... It's called myelodysplastic syndrome. My uh, bone marrow was not providing sufficient red blood cells that provides oxygen to the heart. Um, 
One doctor said my condition was not sustainable. Uh, another doctor said I was blood transfusion dependent. Both of those are just nice ways to say, if you don't do something drastic, mm. you're a dead man walking. Yeah. So uh, Julie and I decided that I should get a bone marrow transplant. I brought my kids together to inform them. And I said, look, during this journey, we will hear news that we like. And we're going to hear news that we don't like. Let's just not focus on the daily news. Let's focus on our fundamentals. That God is sovereign and that he's good and he's for us, regardless of what happens. Yes. And so, fortunately, during that time, uh, we really ended up not getting a lot of news that we didn't like. Um, but... Some of the things that I, I learned, one, one thing that I learned is about prayer. Uh, I, I am just not a strong prayer, and I'm embarrassed by that. But uh, when Julie and I were in uh, Rochester, Minnesota, uh, we had probably a thousand people praying for us, even people I didn't know. But we asked, we want to pray for you. Uh, so give us your prayer request. So we had over 100 prayer requests that we would be praying for. We'd be spending an hour in, in prayer. And, and that was a beautiful thing. But one thing that actually I realized is uh, we were praying for people who had just broken marriages, broken lives, failed businesses, children dying. When people are honest about their fears and their struggles, deeper intimacy can happen. But the thing that really turned the corner for me is I meet with a group of guys and uh, one of the guys asked me to pray about a family member. And so while Julie and I uh, were praying, I would text him and I'd follow up and said, how's things going? When I got back from Mayo's and we were back together as a group, he was talking about his family situation. And then he was talking about getting texts from me while I was at Mayo, and he broke down and he cried. He said it was so meaningful yeah. for me to reach out to him considering the things I was going through. And I realized our relationship has never been the same. Yeah. And so now when I pray for people, I think a key that God wants us to do, and this is one of the primary reasons, he wants us to follow up. Yeah. So when I pray for you, Andy, I should be calling you and say, hey, I've been praying for you. What's the status? And yeah. and that's where the community, yeah. you know, gets a little smaller, a little softer, a little warmer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's oh. good. Yeah. Follow up that. I mean, boy, because we all get in back into life. You know, we've prayed for someone. You get into life. You get and you, and you could be months down the road going, oh, I wonder what's going and you're absolutely right if if reaching back out can actually not so much to god but to the individual mean more than the prayer because you care you, you it's not just the the three five minute prayer it's intentionality afterwards you right. just love more deeply sorry yeah. oh no i was gonna say and there's a lot of people that say i'm praying for you and then they don't it's just in their mind they're offering a condolence they're trying to make them feel better by communicating right. that they're praying when really they're not. So it's, I think it's so important when we say we're going to pray for somebody that we do. But how much more will it mean 
if we do what you just said and we follow yeah. up on it. Yeah. That's powerful. Well, John, would you uh, take time right now just to pray for our listeners? We've obviously covered a lot of different areas today, um, but just something that may have hit strongly with you, especially with your faith, uh, and maybe the listener that's going through some battles right now, maybe health, maybe some decisions that are being made, uh, family-wise, business. Could you just uh, lead sure. us in prayer? Heavenly Father, um, we just we, we, we bow before you. I, I just pray that if any of the words uh, today were from you, that it would just uh, hold tight with the listening audience and um, just the noise that uh, came out of my mouth that, that doesn't amount to anything they would quickly forget and uh, just pray for uh, each of the listeners that uh, they would know that that you are a loving father and that you are for them it reminds me of the prodigal son who went out and just blew everything he had no money he had no food he had no clothes he had no shoes completely destitute he turned his back on the Father, and he defi- decided, I'm going to return just to be a servant. But when his father saw him, he ran, and he had compassion. And he killed the fatted cow to make merry. He put a robe on him, rings on his fingers, shoes on his feet. I just want all of us to know that father, that's the father that we worship. And if we are in a place that we don't need to be, that we would sing, just simply turn and take that first step. And it's the father that comes running. We don't need to, to, to grovel at his feet. Just that he loves us and he is for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much, John. And I think we just need to remind everybody that's listening that the book is called Uncommon Threads. It's available on Amazon, and I'm sure other places. And I just want to just remind everybody that the book is in three sections. Family is the first section. Part two is about business. Part three is all about faith. And I'm going to read some of these chapter titles that we haven't mentioned because I think, sure. I think um, people will be interested to just get them to go and down, you know, to purchase the book, uh, a hardback copy. I downloaded the Kindle version. Um, Kindle version. So um, here we go. Differences are what makes the world go round. A Christian and a Muslim meet at the, at the airport. Um, we already mentioned values and culture are the secret sauce. Um, you can only give what you got. Mm. A mature Christian versus a drunk teenager, right? And so you want to take Jesus to the office. I mean, those are some great, great titles and many, many more. So we yeah. encourage you guys, get the yeah. book. Yeah. Oh, thanks. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Well, we do something, John, at the end of every podcast called the Big Three. And the Big Three are three questions that really don't have anything to do with, I mean, it has everything to do with you, but maybe not what we've talked about today. So, uh, Chuck, do you want to you want to start off with this one? Sure. All right. Okay. All right. Well, you mentioned um, staying in affordable hotels and not not luxury. Perhaps somebody was listening and, and maybe they're they're wondering, What's a good one? What would you recommend? Uh, Priceline. 
and and uh, a three uh, a three for three star hotel is is probably where you minimally want to get to. Uh, but if you can get a good price and, and stay at uh, a Hilton Garden or someplace, uh, Hilton Gardens are pretty nice. That's good. Right. Yeah, that's right. good. Um, okay, so you obviously have traveled quite a lot. Uh, yes. Just got back from Australia. Yes, uh, in Perth, which is where I was for a year way back when i was teenager wow beautiful area but what is your favorite place you've ever visited i'm gonna say two places one um the grand canyon okay and everybody in the listening audience can get to the grand canyon yeah uh the other experience that julie and i had is in South Africa, uh, we went to Krieger Park and went on some safaris oh. where you saw, you know, lions and alligators, I mean, and, and elephants and giraffes and zebras in their natural habitat. Yeah. And, yeah, we've seen, like, castles and stuff. And once you see, like, two castles, it's like, uh, been there, done that. Right. But to see <laughs> the beauty of God's yeah. creation which is mm. the Grand Canyon, and then just wildlife. Uh, those would probably be my two. Wow. All right. Yeah. All right, last question is, what does John Whelan like to do for fun? Uh, I am 65 years old, and last night I uh, played basketball. Uh, people wow. say, you really play basketball? And I say, well, um, I don't run, I don't jump, I don't cut. Uh, so I don't know if I'm really playing basketball. I shoot a lot and I talk a lot of trash to people. <laughs> and so I like to do that. And then uh, spending time with my new granddaughter and my favorite uh, relaxing uh, TV stuff is uh, I've probably seen every episode of Everybody Loves Raymond probably at least five times. Oh, uh, hey. I love we, that We watched show. that in our house. Okay. Yeah, I, my favorite character is Robert. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I just love that show. So anyway. Come on, Raymond. <laughs> well, John, we want to thank you so much for coming on to Revival Town Podcast today. You have blessed us and also yes. the folks that are listening. Uh, so thank you for sharing your time with us today. Uh, I appreciate it a lot. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank, thank you. Man, I, I, I tell you, he has so much to offer, doesn't he? Oh, man. And like I, I mentioned earlier... You know, I I thought I knew John many years, and then the book came out and read it, and and you're like, wow, this. I mean, and I think sometimes, you know, there's that um, that thought of you know when you're around someone a lot, you don't see the real impact of what they're having elsewhere, right? I mean, right. when when you start reading some of the stats, and he would hate us for highlighting the stats because that's right. the guy he is, but. You know, thirty million uh, to to charities, nonprofits, business. You know, he's bringing in three hundred million. The the business has brought in three hundred million um, in ten states, thirty branches, n- over a thousand employees. Um, you know, I just thank God for him and what he he brings, not just uh, to folks that he touches every day. But there's a thousand people that he's impacting every day by looking after them, by giving them a good wage. Right. right. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. That yes. It's, it's, a, it's great. Good stuff. So um, we, we've said it. We're not just saying it. He didn't pay us to say it. But get the get the book because there's something for everybody, and there's yeah. some really good 
practical things you'll take away as well. Yep. Uncommon threads, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and I'm sure uh, you can Google other ways of getting it if, if you yep. don't mess with it, Amazon for sure. But Well, it is that time, Mr. Tate. All right, I'm ready. Are you ready? This I'm is- feeling a hot streak. This is <laughs> this is Tate and his mate. This is where we um, or I will throw an English word or catchphrase or rhyming Cockney slang. Oh, he's getting there. He's getting there. Cockney. Cockney. <laughs> I always say Cockney. <laughs> I think Cockney, but then I don't say it. I say Cockney. Oh, rhyming Cockney slang. So this is where I'll throw a word out to Mr. Tate, and he's got to try and guess what it is because they don't use it much here in America. Now, there are some that sometimes creep in. Um, so you want me to put this into context? Yes. I find that you do a lot of whinging. A lot of whinging? Yeah. Oh, man, this could go sideways. I do a lot of whinging. 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 Hmm. Whinging. I do a lot of whinging. I'll, I'll put it this way. Stop whinging. Stop whinging. Oh, have I got him? I'm stumped. I mean, if you didn't say it was me, I would guess lying, but I don't lie. No, you don't lie. I'm not a liar. No, no, no. I'm a lover. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Different podcast. (laughs) Welcome to Smooth (laughs) Talks. Uh, Oh, wait, 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 wait. I want to give it up for Andy, the love doctor. <laughs> uh, okay. okay, I don't know. I don't know. Whining. Whining. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. So I know you don't really oh, do a lot of whining. Oh, but, my heart. But you could you could say, oh, my staff do a lot of my, whinging. My, <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Right. Oh, oh, that's good. That's, that's good. good. You got me. Uh, that's good. No, that's so good. much for a hot streak. I know. I'm going to be whinging about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you again for listening. And remember, on our website, we do have a whole merchandise apparel that you can get with Revival Town T-shirts and hats and baby outfits and all kinds of all stuff. kinds yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Get it. Uh, going, go and get some stuff on there. And please be telling people about the podcast. Yep, we do this for you. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Thank you again, John, for coming on today. And uh, we will, you'll hear from us next week. Yeah, every Monday. All right. See you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Revival Town Podcast. Make sure you're following us on social media and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, head on over to revivaltownpodcast.com. Oh,